Who does Sean Hannity choose when diversifying his savings with gold and silver? None other than the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. GoldCo is a seven-time Inc. 5000 winner with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped tens of thousands of Americans place over $2 billion in gold and silver. They're Sean Hannity's top choice. And right now, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver while supplies last. Go to HannityGold.com to learn more. That's HannityGold.com. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Well, we're coming to your city. A system that was entirely dismantled. But do you acknowledge you're likely going to see a surge? We very well could. But any concern by folks around here that these migrants will take the phones and just toss them? And then- do you have a record of people throwing phones away? The Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I didn't find I don't find it to be interesting. Freedom is back in style. Welcome. The revolution. Yeah, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. Sean Hannity. The new, the new Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news. And more bold, inspired solutions for America. This is a special edition of The Sean Hannity Show. America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 240. Right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. It's 800 941. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? It, it might have been, Linda, as I said in the last hour, might have been maybe the only 60 minute segment worth watching in maybe the last 15 years because uh, yeah, it's a so minor corrupt miracle. and abusively biased uh, in every way. Um, Anyway, so uh, Scott Pelley did the report, and it was interesting to watch his face. I couldn't read what he was thinking because Zelensky was so strong in in chastising Western Europe, even the U.S. and NATO and the U.N. And what good is a uh, Security Council 
I want to play some of these moments. You know, it's translated by Scott Pelley. You know, how ridiculous efforts of NATO, the U.N. Security Council that led to the destruction of Ukraine. Listen. In speaking to NATO, you called them weak. In speaking to the U.N. Security Council, you said, if you can't help, you shouldn't exist. Not very diplomatic of you. I wonder why you feel the need to speak so bluntly. When you're working at diplomacy, there are no results. All of this is very bureaucratic. That's why the way I am talking to them is absolutely justifiable. I don't have any more lives to give. I don't have any more emotions. I'm no longer interested in their diplomacy that leads to the destruction of my country. A lot of countries have changed their mind about Ukraine and about our people, but I think we've paid too high a price for that. Pretty amazing. Now, one thing that was interesting, and I had been so critical of Ukraine over the years because political corruption had been rampant. Um, I mean, look at the quid pro quo uh, call with Joe Biden. You're not getting a billion dollars unless you fire a prosecutor who's investigating my son being paid millions that has no experience. Um, this is Zelensky, again, translated by Scott Pelley. You know, what evidence does he have of war crimes? I'm like, Scott, look at your own footage. Why, this is a, a stupid question in light of what they also showed in the in the interview last night. But anyway, listen, is there of war crimes across Ukraine? The Ukrainian security service has intercepted communications, he told us. There are Russian soldiers talking to their parents about what they stole and who they abducted. There are recordings of Russian prisoners of war who admitted to killing people. There are pilots in prison who had maps with civilian targets to bomb. There are also investigations being conducted based on the remains of the dead. Should Vladimir Putin be prosecuted for war crimes? Look, I think everyone who made a decision, who issued an order, who fulfilled an order, everyone who is relevant to this, I believe they are guilty. Do you hold Putin responsible? I do believe he's one of them. The saddest part of the interview for me, and again, I, I've, I've been very strong in my advocacy that the, the, not only NATO and Western Europe, but the U.S., they're not, there's no, no sense of real urgency of, of what's going on here. And they captured the images, a lot of which I've been trying to show on TV every night, of, of the massacre in Mariupol and the massacre in Bucha, where, you know, have all these people in mass graves. All the residencies, all of the neighborhoods, you know, blown to bits and hospitals. I mean, they have they just it was indiscriminate murdering the murdering of, of innocent men, women and children. That's I mean, this did no care for human life at all here. This is the last cut. And then we're going to bring in Cash Patel. And this is him saying that he doesn't have confidence Ukraine will get everything they need to win the war. What are you expecting now in the east and in the south? We think this will be a new wave of this war. We don't know how much Russian weaponry there will be, but we understand there'll be many times more than there is now. All depends on how fast we will be helped by the United States. To be honest, whether we will be able to survive depends on this. I have 100% confidence in our people and in our armed forces, but unfortunately, I don't have the confidence that we will be receiving everything we need. 
Anyway, joining us now, Cash Patel. He's a former Pentagon chief of staff uh, to talk about this and other issues. Um, to me, the world is lacking the urgency. There's only two issues on the table here, Cash. Getting the Ukrainians who have shown courage, valor, willingness to defend liberty in their country and fight for their country. Getting them the weapons they need quicker. I also would include the MiGs that Poland offered. And secondly, Western Europe, we don't need a task force. They must get off Russian energy and do it like yesterday because it's funding this these atrocities. Hey, Sean, it's great to be with you. And look, I think you're largely right. You know, take those in reverse order because task forces have always put these task forces together so you can go out and tell the world you're supposedly doing something. You don't need a task force when you've got 10 million government employees dedicated to focus on efforts such as the Ukraine. They're already there. They're ready. Let them do their jobs and get out of their way. But when you make policy decisions that are political on the national security front and you just want to satisfy the lamestream media by putting up headlines, you will end up with task forces to nowhere. And that is the reason why you are seeing a delay in aid to Ukraine on any front, humanitarian, weapons, allies, what have you, money, anything, any sort of airlift programs. That's why actually my former boss and colleague, um, Secretary of Defense Miller, is on the eastern flank right now as a private citizen trying to get it done for the Ukrainians. That's what it takes. And a lot of the guys I serve with are going over there themselves you know, signing up with programs, creating charities and nonprofits and seeing how we can get the Ukrainians such little things such as drones and, and basic weaponry. And it's sad that we as private citizens are doing the mission of the United States Defense Department. Well, I mean, this was the difference between when you were working at the Pentagon and you were the chief of staff of the secretary of defense. I mean, there is this question, and Donald Trump has said it in, in numerous interviews, including in an interview with me, that if he was president, there's no way that Putin would have done this. And I believe that to be true. Just like as soon as Trump got out of office, the Taliban began their march from the south all the way up to the north. And, and Joe wasn't smart enough to either push them back uh, and buy time. Uh, he waited till they got to Karzai International Airport before he decided to evacuate. Yeah, everything he's done has been either too late, not based on intelligence or for political reasons. I mean, of course, he's got the biggest political animal of all, Mark Milley, advising him incompetently into the ground and at the you know destruction of the U.S. But if you recall, it's basic decisions that they don't want to make because, like you said, Donald Trump made the right decisions on national security. He didn't let go of Bagram Airfield. He didn't let out 5,000 terrorists overnight, one of which exploded a suicide bomb and killed 13 U.S. service members at Kabul International Airport. That was Joe Biden and his administration and his decisions to be political. And that's the kind of failed leadership that continues to echo over Ukraine. And Joe Biden is out there saying he's sort of leading this effort against the Ukraine, you know, when Boris Johnson's on the ground in the Ukraine and but Joe Biden is being left off of call sheets and our allies normally in the Middle East who would receive him and take his phone calls won't even take him. I mean, that to me in and of itself shows you how far we've fallen. We cannot get Middle Eastern leaders and allies in Western Europe to take a phone call from the current president of the United States. That's the difference. That's why Putin would never invade it under well, Trump. And large, but now we have, we literally, I don't think anyone would have ever anticipated this. Now, under Donald Trump, something happened that I wouldn't have anticipated, and that is the alliance that emerged with the U.S. and Israel and the Egyptians and the Jordanians and the Saudis and the Emirates aligned intelligence sharing, everything in between against Iranian hegemony in the region and, and, of course, standing strong against them ever getting nuclear weapons. Now, Joe...
Biden is willing to release tens of billions of dollars to the Iranians, allowing Putin to negotiate the deal of all people. He also would allow, according to reports, they're even talking about Putin, Russia building a $10 billion nuclear facility for the Iranians. Uh, and then we would lift the travel restrictions on the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, the biggest terrorist in the number one state sponsor terror country in the world. And 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 beg the and kiss the ass of Maduro, the murdering thug dictator of, of Venezuela. I never thought that would happen. No, you're right. And Iran is, you know, the perfect example. Being the state number one state sponsor of terrorism in the world, President Trump said we are going to take them out and try to help the citizens of Iran. By how do you do that? You take out the Soleimani's of the world. You crush their economy with sanctions. You wipe off their access to the international banking system. In sum, you take us out of the JCPOA and the disastrous Iran nuclear deal, which you referenced, which we paid around $150 billion in cash and allowed them reentry into the global markets. Now, Trump shut that off. We wiped out the terrorists. We destroyed the IRGC and the Quds Force in Soleimani. We returned American hostages detained in Iran home under President Trump. And now what do you have? You have our allies, such as the Saudis, hosting the Iranians instead of us in Riyadh. You have the Emiratis hosting Bashir al-Assad, the dictator in Syria, instead of us. They are getting together with our allies and adversaries outside of us to take over the global oil market, to take over the global economy, and we, America, are paying more for it. And, by the way, Afghanistan, the Taliban's on the rise, and Iran, their Quds forces on the rise, the RGC is on the rise, and their terrorism is on the rise, and they're just waiting. And now Joe Biden wants to give them, what, another $150 billion? With re-entry to the Iran deal. So, so we have two years and eight more months of this. I mean, we're yeah. really looking at the potential of a reconfiguration of alliances mm -hmm. that could impact the world for decades to come because Joe Biden's so weak. I think you're absolutely right. And I'm, honestly, Sean, I, you know, you and I have known each other a long time. And I don't think I envisioned a world in which it could get so bad so quickly where the traditional alliances or Western European alliances or Middle Eastern alliances would actually coalesce almost against uh, against America and with each other. And then they would go out one step further and join with our adversaries and align. And you're seeing Russia, China, Iran all aligning together with Syria. Uh, with some members of the Taliban and all against American interests. And you're totally right. We've seen a tectonic shift, change completely uh, in global alliances. And, you, and it's going to happen in the next, you know, it's already happening. It'll probably be complete soon. And to unwind this is going to take an entire new regime change um, in America. All right, quick break. Right back. We'll continue more with Cash Patel, former Pentagon chief of staff. Uh, look, More with Cash Patel, former Pentagon chief of staff, as we continue our discussion about the West and the U.S. and NATO's failure as it relates to Ukraine. I, I've, I've told the story from my sources about the killing of Soleimani. You are actually in the situation room with President Trump because you were the head of counterterrorism when we killed Baghdadi and his associates. Tell uh -huh. us about that and what happened immediately after it was done and confirmed. Yeah, Thanks for bringing it up. I don't think I've ever actually talked about it on, on TV or radio before. We killed uh, Baghdadi, number one terrorist in the world, after we called sig Signal Jackpot in the situation with the president. He looked at me, and the first thing he says is, Cash, I want the phone numbers for the Mueller family, the Sotloff family. 
the Cassick family and the Foley family. And if you remember, and Sean, I know you do, those are the four families whose children were beheaded and raped and tortured by ISIS. That was Donald Trump's first instinct after taking out Baghdadi. The next one was, we're not done yet because Baghdadi wasn't the only one. He said, I want the, the rest. They were the so-called Beatles of the ISIS group, Kote and Shafiq al-Sheikh. We went out, manhunted, got those guys under the Trump administration, detained them in Syria, fought British extradition for a year, and brought them to America. And they are being tried currently in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, for terrorism-related charges where they will be convicted and go down for life. I just met with the Mueller's and the thought loss in the, uh, this past weekend. Wow. And they are ever so thankful to the Trump administration, and they wanted that story to be shared because their children are being avenged in a court of law thanks to Donald Trump's righteous actions. According to my source, when they killed Soleimani, maybe six people in total knew about the operation. They followed him and tracked him for two consecutive weeks. They eyeballed him getting on a commercial flight. Um, they obviously did not want civ civilian casualties, collateral damage. They waited for all of the passengers to disembark. There's Soleimani on the tarmac. They confirmed the sighting, and they took him and his entire entourage out right there and didn't kill a single civilian. Yeah, I'm going to be careful what I say here, because <laughs> some of that stuff, some of the most, it's, it's, you know, in short form, it's some of the best. I have very good sources, Cash. I know a lot of people. Yeah, and I never reveal saying, sources. I'm, I'm a member I'm of the press. Saying, <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I got to watch what I say. What, what, I can, what I can give some color to is. That, that is the M.O. That is how Trump operated. He said, get it done. Why aren't we bringing American hostages home? Why aren't we killing more terrorists? Wipe out al-Qaeda senior leadership. Take out the Soleimani's of the world. And in order to do that, and this is what I'd highlight for Americans all the time, we have it. Our everyday man and woman that sign up to serve that when they're permitted to do it. Trump there are two doctrines that, that guide me in my decision-making, because we've made mistakes. We can't have boots on the ground anymore, and with modern military weaponry and technology, we don't need to. The Trump doctrine is what he did with the caliphate in uh, with ISIS and Baghdadi, you were there, and Soleimani, you were there for that too, and the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen, which we haven't even mentioned yet, yeah. and the Reagan doctrine is what Reagan did with the Mujahideen in the in Afghanistan after the former Soviet Union invaded and the help that he gave the freedom fighting Contras in Nicaragua against the Sandinistas and Daniel Ortega. So those are the two guiding principles I have. What's frustrating about Ukraine is we're not. They've taken on the, the Reagan doctrine, but they don't have the urgency to do it the right way. And that's why Ukraine that is fought so valiantly is at risk today with the with the proper amount of weaponry they can beat the Soviet Union, probably even take Crimea back, but we'll yeah. see. Anyway, Cash Patel, we love having you on. Thank you, as always, for being with us. Thanks, Sean. Have a great day. All right, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program, we'll continue. talks to the people involved in the top stories of the day every day sean hannity is on all right 25 now to the top of the hour toll free it's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program all right let's get to some busy calls here Lindsay is in california Lindsay, hi how are you glad you called i have no idea what you're doing out there but 
I guess the weather's good. I guess in and out Burger's good. There's another good reason to be there. Sean, that's exactly why I'm calling. We need your help out here. We are fighting so hard. You know, we are still in a state of emergency in California. Um, You don't mention us. We're a border state, too, a sanctuary state, and they just passed the AB 225. I'm a mom of five and a teacher, and we are working our butts off to try to flip this state, and we need your help. Who do you like? I hear you talking about Ohio. I hear you talking about Arizona. We never hear you talk about California out here, and we are trying so hard. Who do you like out here? You know, I have, I'm going to be very blunt. I've kind of given up on California, and I almost no. gave up completely on New York, too, until I saw a poll that showed Lee Zeldin within four points. Then I remembered what happened in New Jersey and had the country paid a little more attention to New Jersey. I think we I think a Republican could have been elected governor in that state. You saw, you know, the Yunkin campaign in Virginia. People like to say Virginia is a purple state. It's not purple. It's a blue state. And in large part, because as the D.C. bureaucracy has grown, uh, all these Democrats have moved into northern Virginia and they just dominate the state. The, the Yunkin message is one that I think is right. We should put every state in play. But to, I, I'll tell you why I'm I'm very I'm not very optimistic for a state like California or New York is because the people that would be smart enough to say this isn't working have all left or at least a large percentage of them have left and they've moved to states that don't basically rob them of of 60 you know percent of their income 70 percent of their income and right yeah is there somebody you like in particular well i mean i grew up here i was born and raised here and i i love it here um and we are fighting like heck out here um i'm a teacher and i'm fighting the cta i'm a mom of five we're fighting, you know, the parental right issue that we're losing, you know, we've been losing, but there is a red rate wave growing and we've got to replace Alex Padilla. We've got to replace Newsom. I mean, we need, we need the nation's help or the nation's going to turn into the dumpster fire that we are. We're trying so hard, Sean. But, but the problem is it already has, you know, you know, mm. you know the most revealing thing, and I've told the story many times, I don't want to repeat myself, but maybe people didn't hear it. If you take a U-Haul out of L.A., San Francisco, wherever, and you and you take that U-Haul and you move all your stuff and you go start your life over again in Texas, it'll cost you anywhere between $2,000, $3,000 for that U-Haul. Now, if you take a U-Haul from Texas back to California, it's cost like three, maybe 400 and you could probably talk them down to 250 because you're doing them a favor by bringing it back because they, they, all their trucks are there. So they charge Sean, you next to nothing. That, that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? You know, it does. But, Sean, we are, we are dealing with insane gas tax. We're dealing with the AB2225. I don't know if you've noticed it. Um, it's the crazy abortion bill. There are people that are mad. They are rising up. And, Sean, I want to let you know, four years ago, you flipped me. You flipped no. me. Um, I, I was Democrat. I was a teacher. I was involved in the union. And your, your, the way that you eloquently broke down what was happening to Trump, literally, I listened to you every day and you flipped me. And I believe there's thousands of people like me. <laughs> I, I call it, we've sanitized you. Look, you know, you sound like, you know what I love about you? I hear an optimism in your voice. Linda, right? I mean, 
you, you're so you, 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 I hear just a real love, sincerity, passion for the state that you grew up in, the state that you love. You hate what you see unfolding in that state. You know, for the first time in 170 years, California had a decrease in population rather than an increase because, you know, it was always, you know, California dreaming. And people wanting okay. to live out on 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 the West Coast. Uh, I've driven the Pacific Coast Highway. I lived in Santa Barbara. I was the poorest person in town, but I lived there for five years uh, in the early '80s. And I got to tell you something: it's a beautiful place. And I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're gonna we'll do a deep dive into it. Let me take a look. Let me see some numbers. I have friends of mine that poll. I'm going to tell them to do just, just get a feel for what's going on out there and see if maybe it's possible. When Gavin Newsom won by a pretty big margin in the after, in the recall effort, it kind of deflated me on the state. And I'm like, you know, here we go again. But you know what? Maybe if the if the Democrats keep doing what they're doing and you look at the dramatic decline in support with, especially if you're looking demographically, Hispanic Americans and African Americans are leaving the Democratic Party in drove and droves. So I'm going to just for you, we will do a dive and we'll talk about it in the days to come. OK, we would love that, Sean. We need your help out here. We really do. We're trying. <laughs> and I really I, appreciate I, no, that. Listen, I, I hear what part of what part of California are you in? I live in beautiful San Diego, Fallbrook, California. I love San Diego. The nicest hotel in the entire world is there. And you know which one it is, right? The Dome, yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yep, beautiful hotel, place. Dome. you got to come yeah. see us. We need you. We need your you help. Know, I've, I've got to make my way out to California again. I haven't been there in a while, and I, I do enjoy the people in California a lot. I love the Reagan Library. I've had great times at the Nixon Library. Uh, anyway, thank you, Lindsay. Have an In-N-Out Burger animal-style uh, on me today, okay? I'll have it on you. Thank you, Sean, for everything you do. Well, thank you so much for making it possible. Uh, Tom is in North Carolina. Hey, Tom, how are you? Glad you called. I'm great. Thank you for taking my call. What's on your mind? Real quick, uh, I, you know, in in these crisis moments that we live, when the president says there's going to be a food shortage, and then we're, here we have this gasoline crisis that's going on, going on. I, I'd like to understand and more fully, particularly why our congressmen aren't raising hell about it and saying the why and how did so much executive power be absorbed that it controls so much of our petroleum and our natural resources. It's, it's, it's mind boggling that we seem like that we do not have any representation with respect to these issues. It's just we have to hear the president say, oh, you're going to have shortages. I call my congressman up and he says, well, there's not much we can do about it. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? This is the United the, States of America. So you probably have a Republican Congress. This is one party rule right now. He's not, your congressman is not saying that to be flippant, meaning I'm not going to try. It's just the numbers aren't there for them to accomplish that which we need to accomplish. The only way we will reverse this, and it is a disaster. I, I have no good economic news to share with anybody. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe gas prices for a day went down 10 cents a gallon. So I paid $4.80 when I filled up my gas tank this weekend per gallon. All right. Uh, it's, right. it's, it, that is hardly successful. When Donald Trump was president, it was what? $2.25 at times. It was nuts. And it's the lifeblood of the world's economy. Now I'm watching Europe. They announced this weekend they're even going to move faster into renewable energies. What that means is they're just like, you know, Pete Buttigieg and Granholm and Biden and Kamala. By rejecting the reality that the lifeblood of the world's economy is oil, gas and coal, 
what they're going to do is they're going to spend massive amounts of money. They're still going to need the oil, gas, and coal, and they'll pay a premium for it because they're buying it from people that are making a huge profit off it that don't even like us. And then they're going to, at some point, find out it didn't work, and now we will have spent all of that money. And in the interim, countries like China and Russia and Iran and other countries in the Middle East that hate us, they will be getting filthy rich off of our stupidity and we will not be the economic power we once were. I don't think we could ever fully recover. It, it, it will not be easy to fully recover. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to say impossible because all things are possible with God, right? So, I, yeah, I'm a priest and I've been at the gas pumps, you know, putting gas in my car. And I've had two people within the last three weeks come over to me and say, hey, Father, can you help me out? I need some mm -hmm. help. I can only put $10 worth of gas in my car. I pull out the church credit card and I fill the car up with gas. I've never seen anything like this in my life. So, are you a Catholic priest? Well, I'm an English Catholic. I'm 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 an Anglican. But yeah, okay. we're, 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 yeah, I'm a priest. I was in the Episcopal Church for a while, but now I'm in, in the Anglican Church. And uh, uh, I actually this Palm Sunday went to an Episcopal Church, a very similar okay, to the Catholic Mass. But I, 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 the institutional corruption was too much for me. I couldn't justify, you know, they, it started at the local parish and it went all the way to Rome and nobody fixed it. And I can't believe it. And it's sad um, because I, I, th I think all of it was rooted in money from the beginning. Eleven of the twelve apostles were married. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first eleven hundred yep. years of the church, priests were allowed to marry. Why did they stop that? I have two kids, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, come on over to the Anglican Church. We'd love to have you. Well, let me yeah, ask you, are you going to fill you. up my gas tank if I see out in, in North Carolina? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Anyway, keep us in your prayers, Father. God bless you what you're doing. You're saving souls. You are a fisher of men, as uh, Jesus said. All right, quick break. Right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Ronald Reagan cut taxes, cut government spending, and gave us peace through strength. Now you can celebrate this great president with a limited-run, half-ounce silver coin from the top-rated precious metals company, Gold Co. All qualified listeners who visit HannityGold.com this week will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So go to HannityGold.com and get yours free while supplies last. That's HannityGold.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 